John, I need some. Get me some. Look. Tell me what they are. Please, tell me. Please. Can't help, sorry. Hello, and welcome to the third episode of the Sonic Bites podcast, the freewheeling conversation and interview series for the eclectic music lover. This week, we're starting with something different, by challenging each other to a game of Guess the Release Year for some of our favourite records of all time. After that, we discuss some of our favourite methods of discovering new music, and hopefully share some new perspectives with you on that topic. Also, I can't believe I'm saying this, but shout out to that new Taylor Swift record because, oh my goodness, it's so good. Let us know if you're enjoying the podcast on Instagram and Twitter, and we hope you enjoy the episode. And that was better that time. It worked better. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah it's yeah. probably because the- I just clapped a bit earlier. And then oh, okay. You're anticipating the, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anticipating the beat. Internet's working. Apparently, um, humans are the only people who can do that. Uh, the only Sorry, the only type of animal who can anticipate beats and music. Um, oh really no way yeah so like in terms of um i can't remember where i was looking at it but humans are they're sort of uniquely designed to work with music so um things like cockatiels and parrots and birds they can mimic pitch and they can do it perfectly i think it's the lyre bird that i saw in david attenborough they can mimic the noises of like cameras and chainsaws and other birds um but if you have something say like a melody they can mimic it exactly but they can't mimic it in a different pitch so if you had like wow. ba da ba da ba da to use the jazz lick but then if you brought it up the ba da da ba da ba da they recognize that as we've just lost five listeners there <laughs> <laughs> i've said it twice that's it i've done it um but if it was a higher pitch the bird wouldn't recognize it and so they can't recognize different pitches um and then chimpanzees can um they can i think they can recognize pitches um and that a melody is the same in different pitches but they can't anticipate a beat so if you start clapping a rhythm um they can react to it but they can't anticipate so if you were like one two three the monkey would be like one two three oh, wow. but they can't like they can't anticipate so only humans sort of have the the mental capacity to be able to anticipate music and recognize melody and sort of rhythm and things so we're sort of we're uniquely designed to have music yeah um, maybe they're just operating at a latency so maybe actually they could jam over zoom with the, <laughs> and they've actually got it all figured out for the what was that thing where they say like if you if you put like enough monkeys with enough typewriters they'll write like the whole thing of shakespeare and if you put enough monkeys on zoom they'll (laughs) (laughs) they'll 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 record the next hit album yeah there's some musical like um there's some musical potential there as well that we can definitely be using yeah speaking Um, of hit albums we um (laughs) segue there we go perfect segue um we've we've taken well thank i mean thanks firstly thanks to everyone who's listened to the first two episodes of the podcast so far um, and we've received a lot of um, great feedback from um, from everyone that's listened so far. And um, one one thing we thought we could do is maybe um, start incorporating some uh, some games and some sort of uh, guessing games into our podcast. Um, so we thought we'd go straight in and try and and, and try and uh, do one straight away. Um, so we've come up with the game. Uh, it's called the album guessing game. I've just made that up on the spot. Yeah. Um, because we haven't actually named it something else. Um, We're working on a um, on a theme tune at the moment. We'll have that. Uh, we'll have that in the next couple of weeks, hopefully. Yeah. It's um in 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 production. <laughs> T- <laughs> TBD. Um, so basically, uh, yeah. the way it works is that we have. Uh, we'll keep it short to begin with. We'll have three albums uh, for the other person to guess. So I've got three albums here uh, for Johnny to guess the year of release. Um, one of the albums is an album that I think he definitely should know the release of. The other one is one that he yeah. might know the release of, but might catch him off guard a little bit. An artist that he likes, but might not know the year of release. And the other one is a complete stab in the dark that if he gets it right, then he's even more of a musical genius than uh, I already think he is. So yeah. uh, I have. I mean, we uh, we do have quite similar music tastes. I feel um, similar, yes. not in um not in a completely similar way, but I feel like our and, our paths have crossed over. Hence, hence why and, hence why you know we, hence why we know each other, and hence yeah. why I'm a little bit apprehensive because uh, if we've picked the same albums, it's going to be really awkward for the first game. <laughs> oh yeah, of course we um, haven't even thought about. We haven't that. told anyway. the other person what they're going to be because obviously that defeats the point of the uh, game. So I have. I'm here... pretty sure. 
I'm pretty sure you have not picked the albums that I've picked, but hey. I'm, I'm pretty confident as well, so we should be all right. So I have here uh, an English pound coin. Um, sorry for any listeners who do not use money as a currency, um, but will be... Uh, <laughs> Don't they use pounds in the... These pounds, these pounds in, in as well. yeah, these pounds in Scotland as well, yeah. Yeah, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't make me. <laughs> the notes are different, but the I'm trying to catch you out. You know, it's, it's, it's the mind games. Screw on my mind. It's competitive. <laughs> Started already. Right. Okay. So I'll toss the coin uh, and I'll let you call. Uh, heads or tails? Wait. Am I heads guessing first here? Guess heads or tails, and then you can. Oh, heads. And then you can choose who. Okay. It is for the camera there it is tails so i get to choose so i'm gonna say that you get to go first and you can um as in do i hit, ask hit, first or do I? as in you ask first yeah hit me with the uh, hit me with the album cool all right round one ding, 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 ding. all right so this is an album that you should know the release year for okay specifically all right oh my God. so the, the first album is graceland by paul simon oh um i'm pretty sure that is 1986 and the answer is 1986 Yay. oh thank god we need some sound effects to like um push cheers and drum rolls and things yeah what's your favorite track in production of for next episode uh off graceland it's got to be oh man there's so many good tracks on that album uh i think it's i know what i know um cool which i think is track four on the album um, it has some fantastic guitar playing by Ray Fury um, and some really, really cool uh, backing vocals as well, um, which you don't often... It's, it's, the whole album is sort of based on South African music and so there's sort of South African chanting in the background, which sounds absolutely amazing as well. Um, so if you guys haven't heard Graceland by Paul Simon, released in 1986, definitely go and listen to it out and check it out. It's an amazing album. All right. All right. Okay, cool. one, one for one. It. All right, round one, part two, I guess. Um Oh, oh as, oh, as in I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you all the questions at once. Yes. Yeah. Ah, okay, cool. All right. Okay. All in one go. Okay, round two, I guess. Okay, one for I'm one. I'm trying to catch you out. The second album is, drum roll, Couldn't Stand the Weather by Stevie Ray Vaughan. Oh, man. That's so irritating. I'm the biggest Stevie Ray Vaughan fan in the world. But, <laughs> um, like, I discovered Stevie Ray Vaughan through a Greatest Hits album. Uh, and so I Hence, don't... Yeah. Uh, I don't actually know exactly when it was came out. I know he was big in the 80s. Um, so I'm going to go for 1982. And the answer is, it's 1984. Oh, <laughs> I thought I'd catch you out there because I feel like Stevie Ray Vaughan's, he he's had some amazing songs over the years. Um, but I think maybe the studio albums, e even as a, as a Stevie Ray Vaughan disciple, you might not know exactly when that, particular album couldn't stand the weather or what the other albums um texas flood is that the other one yeah texas the one before that's the first yeah. one yeah yeah i think just... um I, I think that's absolutely right and i think i guess like our generation as well don't necessarily buy sort of cds in the same way either i did actually buy a steve ray vaughan greatest hits uh, cd but obviously <laughs> not when i bought it in 2013 i think yeah um, same as so a long time a long time after it came out yeah. uh all right okay. all right two for one. moving two for moving one. swiftly on and the last question it's sort of the off the wall. It's not off the wall by Michael Jackson, but an off the wall <laughs> um, album release that I don't think you would know, but I'm going to let you guess. And it is, drum roll, Taylor Swift's eponymous album, um, Taylor Swift. Um, can you tell me which of her albums that was in terms of number? And that might give me a bit more of a chance to uh, guess. The first, it was her first album. Her first one, right, okay. Because... Um, Oh God, she's been around for a while. I want to say like, wait a minute. She was, I'm going I'm to I'm drop another John Mayer bomb here because when they dated, she was 19 and he was 31 and that was in 2009. So that's, so if she brought it out when she was like 17, I want to say like 2007. And the answer is 2006. Oh, you were so <sighs> oh, close. Man, I was so close. Oh, I think your reasoning was right there, but yeah. yeah. She might have been like a certain age and she, she could have, I don't know if she was 17 when she brought it out. I assume she was around about that age, but like she, you might have had the, you know, the thing with school years when like some kids are, they don't, they have a birthday later in the year. So like when it actually gets to 2006 or 2007, they won't be the age that they would be for most of the year kind of thing. Mm, that's my, that's my defence anyway. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. So let's flip, let's, one let's flip of, the script. Yeah. One out of three. Let's flip the script then. Okay. Yeah, so hopefully we'll my, actually get to our, our topic of conversation today. <laughs> hey, who knows? We may we may get there. Um, 
This could I'm just be so the whole much episode. Fun with this, this could be the whole thing, couldn't it? Um, okay, so my first album for you then, the one that you definitely should know, uh, is Brown Sugar by D'Angelo. That's obviously 1995, me. Wow, didn't even hesitate. Uh, <laughs> and the answer is yes, July the 3rd, 1995. Yes. Very, very good. Uh, what is your favorite track off uh, Brown Sugar by D'Angelo? Ooh, that's hard. Um... I think one of the first, I mean, Brown Sugar is definitely one of the best tracks. Um, I think maybe one that is slightly less popular is Me and, me and, my dreamy, me and Those Dreaming Eyes of, of Yours. Oh, what's the exact title of it? It's track four. It's After Jones With My Bones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, that's got some nice, that's got a nice little jazz guitar solo in the middle. Um, it's yeah. a bit more guitar led. And um, yeah, the album's amazing. He played most of the tracks on the you got me into album. you got me into that album i remember yeah. listening to that in the first six months yeah. of meeting you and being completely blown away so yeah. definitely Absolute listen to classic yeah <laughs> definitely listen to uh brown sugar by d'angelo if you get the chance as well all right cool. one for one at least we know the um we, we know the albums that we should know <laughs> nice <laughs> which is encouraging okay um so the okay. second one that might catch you out uh is 1999 by prince Ooh, I thought that, that I was... thought the uh, the date might throw you a little bit because it was yes. 1999, but it wasn't released in 1999, oh. or was it? I think this was in the. I'm gonna say, uh, I I need to get better with my Prince periods, but I'm gonna try and say 1980. It was drumroll, please. I'm I'm completely off on her. 1980. Two. Ah, oh, I was in the. I was in the. Uh, I don't know. What, what's, right what, what's the variance of? of um... I, I think two years is. I think two yeah. years is fair. Yeah, like, I think you. For, I think you were also two years off on Can Stand the Weather as well. So I was two years off Steve Vaughan. Okay, yeah. so you got to be one year off this next one. Uh, yeah, all right. For let's, us to yeah, tie. Let's, let's do otherwise, that time, I, yeah. uh, otherwise I. Otherwise, I beat you for this week, and you have to. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll make. We'll work out a forfeit or something as well, which could be demeaning potentially. Yeah. <laughs> um okay so the third one that might throw you is uh wednesday morning 3 a.m by simon and garfunkel oh i have absolutely no clue um i'm going to say 1972 it was 1964 oh i was it eight was years old. Oh, i was in the wrong the f- decade <laughs> It was the first one they brought out um, before ah, the right. sound of the, before that they brought. That was the one where they brought out um, the sound of silence acoustic version, uh, mm. and then that was what uh, led the band because they didn't have that much commercial success. So they broke up, and then the studio discovered sound of silence, put the drums and bass on it, and they released it again mm. uh, back in 1968 as well. And then um, the rest is history. And the rest is history. Um, so I win for this week, which means uh, I will work out a forfeit uh, and. Uh, or maybe even better, uh, our viewers can comment Johnny's forfeit in the uh, oh wow in no, the comments section. That's a slippery slope, <laughs> which uh, yeah. we'll see. All, all uh, of our all of our five viewers. Yeah. yeah, we'll pick the um, we'll pick the the the, uh, the most well the most interesting one, uh, and Johnny will have to do the forfeit. Um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, so that's our. Oh, sorry, gone. Yeah, no, I was I was gonna try and um, drag it towards um, try and rig it out. Kind of, of something. Uh, yeah, I think something that's been on my mind this week, uh, in terms of. Uh, music and discovering music obviously you might hear an album that you're listening to on a podcast that you've never heard before or someone's been talking about in the past such as us here um, and you go and check that out or something like that and um, I've been discovering a lot of new music recently especially um, in lockdown and also just in general with the proliferation of the internet <laughs> and not that I wasn't discovering music before that but just in different ways and I think it's it's something I feel like a lot of people ask the question, um, how, like where do I find new music? Like, give me some music recommendations. And mm. um, obviously, that's a very nice. Um, is 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 I think it's great when people come in with recommendations and things like that. And finding I think also finding out finding new music is one of the joys of, for me at least, um, of um, of listening to music. It's just that you know when you put a new record on that you've never heard before and it just absolutely blows your mind and you're just in the right place at the right time um and yeah i mean what 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 are your favorite ways to discover music i think that's um, the question 
Yeah, that is, that is a really good question, actually. Um, I think because it's definitely... Um, I and I, and, now... I, and I, I'm interested in, how, in, in what you do as well now, because I, I don't think we've talked about this in a while. Um, no, no, that's very true, actually. Um, the last... Just as friends. Yeah. Um, I think music, the discovery of music has changed a lot sort of recently, obviously with the proliferation of streaming platforms and things like that. And so um, I find personally now um, that even though music is easier to, to discover than it's ever been, um, because there are so many different ways to find it. You obviously have YouTube, you have um, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon. There's so many different places to discover music. Um, it almost overloads me a little bit. Um, and so like still the best Definitely. way that I find to discover stuff uh, I I personally do is, is, is sort, of, sort of just stumbling upon it. Um, mm. And that can be sort of any way, um, you know, be it on, on YouTube, be it on Spotify, be it hearing stuff on the radio. Um, because me personally, I have... Um, I have two brains that I listen to music with, um, sure. which is what I've been thinking about. I have my 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 fan brain, um, you know, which can sort of like sit back and <clears throat> like chill out and sort of appreciate the music for the sake of the music. And I have my my artist sort of musician brain, which is a lot more analytical and a lot more kind of obsessive. And it it it's very committed to certain types of music. And so if I'm going to listen to music with my with my artist brain. Um, it wants to break it down it wants to understand it it wants to be able to replicate it it wants to know everything about it and so sometimes hearing a certain type of music when when i'm in that artist brain mode is almost a little bit overloady if that makes sense like if to take yeah, take no, example, I, I, I really do yeah. you know like, like like to take something um maybe on the extreme uh, of it like jacob collier's stuff for example like i really love listening to it um but not with my musical brain because it it comes to me almost like an essay or something that I'd have to sort of read and break down and understand and it's like like my musical brain can't handle it whereas if I can just switch into my my fan brain I can just sit back and go that's amazing and that's that's enough for the fan brain but the musical brain has to go like no everything has to be you know broken down decoded understood um you know in terms of theory or in terms of practically being able to play stuff um and so yeah. like there are for me there are two two different ways to discover music and sort of my my fan brain loves to just take it wherever it is but then like my my musician brain sort of it tends to look for things a bit more analytically for for what the the brain needs at that certain time i guess if that makes sense do you have something similar or yeah i mean i, I totally get what you mean um I, I definitely think of things well not completely binary um because i like to dabble in both but mm. you know, obviously you've got jazz classical music um even indie music um that you kind of want to deconstruct as a musician you want to cover it in the projects that you're in i think we're both involved in musician projects music projects that are quite wide-ranging in scope so we have that as well even if we listen to like a pop song but at the same time i love like pop punk and emo and um and alternative rock as well and and i don't really play in that type of music as a musician so i can uh, e even though i might try and decode those things um on a musician level i, I would love to listen to bands like neck i like to listen to bands like neck deep and and stand atlantic like these new bands and paramore um just just it's just a nice way to wind down, I think. Um, but anyway, bringing it back to the question of discovering music, I think. Um, so yeah, so I think there's there's um there's a lot of different ways to to I guess satisfy those two parts um, mm. and discovering music as a fan and also as a musician. Um, I was, I mean, as a fan, I think one of my favorite ways to discover new music. And I encourage anyone to use this method to try and discover new music as well. Is also um, what what an artist that I am listening to is recommending. Um, I think that's it. It's sort of there's there's a way of there's some, there's some sort of like legit, legitimization almost that that comes with that. That I know that an artist that I'm into is digging. I know I, I can figure out what sort of influences are going into their music. And um, so my, I think one of my favorites is Theo Katzman. I think he's his his Twitter, um, which is I think a bit less followed than Wolfpack and and his Instagram, but he he posts a lot of his his friends' music, music that he's produced, um, or it, his um, I think just his sphere of of friends and things that he's listening to. He he loves to post um, albums and songs that he's really digging at this time, and that's re resulted in me sort of finding out a lot of great music as well. Um, I don't have any actually specific examples to mind. I think, well, but I think he really recently he talks about the new Christian Lee Hudson album, 
Um, but yeah, there's just, there's just been so much music that has just come from him posting on Twitter about his favorite um, bands and artists. Um, I mean, yeah, I, th- I think definitely online is, is the main way that people um, discover new music nowadays. Uh, um, you, you can sort of do it the old way, but um, I think online as well, I, I love using YouTube channels to discover music. Um, sort of YouTube channels, not just YouTube recommendations. I think there's, I mean, obviously there's the way of going down the YouTube rabbit hole and finding new music, but also through music critics as well. Um, people like, um, I mean, my favorite music critic is probably Anthony Fantano. It's not a surprise to people that know <laughs> me, um, but yeah, he'll, he'll review music that uh, of, across a range of genres. And um, um, yeah, I've just found so much music that way as well. Mm. Um, I think YouTube's a very interesting one actually because um, maybe not 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 in necessarily the typical way of sort of learning through YouTube um, recommendations, but a lot of channels now that are music based in order to sort of have interesting videos and interesting content, they'll post lists of things. Um, one of my favorite to watch, um, I know you're a fan of him as well, is Rick Beato. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'll do something like the top 20 greatest rock intros of all time. Yeah. Um, and it's really great to watch. And it's really interesting. Obviously, obviously that's, that's, that's his own opinion. But mm-hmm. then um, it's almost an interesting way of um, discovering you know, sort of new bands that way as well. Um, and sort of a way to measure it against your own, you know, if you're really into rock music, whether that list checks out with your own kind of thing. But like, if you're not into rock music, um, someone recommending what they think the best of all time is, that's kind of a good sort of way into getting into a certain genre of music as well. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think Rick Beato, one of, one of the things he also does is sort of resurrect music that you might've come across in the past, maybe once. And mm. then you go back into that and it's almost like you discover um, maybe you listen to it like ten years from now. So I think one of the artists that he was de- well, he was deconstructing was Van Halen. And yes, went, yeah, um, yeah. And obviously, I listened to Van Halen as a as a teenager when I first picked up guitar, as most guitarists do, I think. And um, and I listened after he broke down. I don't remember exactly which song he broke down, but I just got listening back to listening to some of their older older um, well, their first classic albums, and they're, they're just so tight. And and I could I could hear different things I can hear the different harmonic choices and and even just appreciation of the recording techniques and things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's almost like it's almost as if you're discovering music that you've discovered already for a second time. Mm, um, definitely. Um, I think the the Spotify one's interesting um, mm. because uh, <laughs> like it's it, it's it's a strange one because I think it depends on you you almost get out of it as much as you put into it um yeah. and it depends uh and this sort of links on to another thing that i wanted to talk about which is why people listen to music as well um so like people have um you know th- i'm sure you've had this question a lot more than i have because i know your musical tastes are a lot broader and i've asked you obviously the same thing um about sort of you know i need some new music give me some new inspiration give me something to listen to um and a lot of the time it's almost it's it's thinking if someone asks you that why they what they what they want exactly out of it as well like do they want new music to are they musicians do they want new music to learn to play are they just listening for stuff for a certain mm. vibe are they is it something they enjoy doing like what what do they listen to music for is it for educational purposes is it for escape is it for um you know like if it's someone who likes going out like clubbing and things is that the kind of music they want to listen to so it's kind of like it depends what what role it sort of plays in their lives, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, th- there's there's many ways to tackle that question. I think, um, in mm. terms of discovering music, I feel that uh, I mean, I feel like a genuine way that people, some people, do the reason why they want to discover new music is to maybe mm. support the artists. I think. Um, so if if a if an artist that you really admire has made an album in the past that is that has really affected you um, emotionally, then you might want to give back and actually, and you also, yeah, you just, you're just genuinely curious, right? I think human beings are curious and um, they want to know the, yeah, they, they want to hear new music, you know, and the, the feeling of listening to new music, maybe that's something that people are chasing, you know, um, mm. it's like a drug, like <laughs> um, not, I mean, don't do drugs, but yeah, it's that, that type of feeling, you know, when I, when I put on a new album by, um, I don't know who, uh, like Wolfpack or King Gizzard and Lizard Wizard, you know, artists I'm really into right now. I'm, I'm like, 
like as as super fans of the of the band you're you're looking at every single move that they're making on social media to try and figure out the details of the new album what it's going to sound like um whether it's going to be unexpected or whether it's going to be completely up your street um the, there's yeah there's a bit of an unknown factor it's very exciting mm. i mean sort of new releases sort of stand for themselves in that way and um and it, yeah it just brings you back to why you want to listen to music um yeah uh, i think i think that's interesting because um i certainly have that um sort of that that interest of what an artist is going to bring out next but i know it's not necessarily the same for a lot of people mm. um and that is again sort of to talk about sort of the fan brain and the artist brain again sort of like the fan side of my brain really likes doing that but there's kind of there's i guess there's like a third side to it and there's something that my mum's uh, mentioned a couple of times as well um <clears throat> so uh sort of uh to, to give a bit of context for it um I bought her Paul Simon's latest album. It came out in 2016. It was called Stranger to Stranger. Um, and I've been a fan of Paul Simon since as long as I can remember, um, mostly because of my mum, in fact, because she got me into it. Um, and when that came out, I was I bought it straight away. I was really excited and absolutely loved it. Um, but I gave it to my mum and she wasn't as much of a fan of it. Um, and it was quite interesting because she, she, like, I think to her, Paul Simon is Paul Simon from the 1980s. Um, and it's the same for a lot of like, my dad's a big Pink Floyd fan, but if Pink Floyd bought out a new album now, I don't think he'd be that interested. Um, and so I think there's kind of, there's an emotional side to music as well. And I think human beings, um, they have, um, not an emotional limit, but there's sort of, there's, there's a certain range of emotion. This, this works for me at least anyway. And like, if there's a certain song that hits a certain feeling, um, there are times when I'll, I'll hear a song that's similar to it and like, it, it hits the same emotional note, but I already have the song that does that in my brain. Sure. Um, and so like, I don't necessarily need another one to sort of do the same kind of thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's, um, that's quite interesting. I hadn't really thought about that. And But yeah, do, do you think do you think it's, it's a negative thing or do you think that's something that's completely valid? Um, I mean, obviously, obviously you can't really force someone to like new music if, if someone's making something. It's, it's a product in the end, at the end of the day, as much as it is an art piece. Um, if someone paints a painting that they're just not interested in, you know, um, then you like you literally don't have to go and see it. Um, the same, it's the same with music, right? Mm. I don't. Yeah, I, I don't think it's necessarily necessarily a negative thing. Um, I just think that uh, it, it, it again it it goes back to why you listen to music. Like, is music is music an emotional thing for you? Is it something that you use to amplify a certain emotion you're feeling or you know like yeah, there's that um there's that meme that, uh, that you've posted me loads of times sort of like you know turning up like repeating a sad song because the bit that's supposed to hurt you doesn't hurt you enough <laughs> and you want to you know and you want to you want to hear it again to feel it even more um so i think a lot of times at, music at the national all... yeah <laughs> um so like in a way i guess for a lot of people music can be a way of taking you to a certain place sort of emotionally it certainly is for me for a lot of songs mm. um you know and in terms of um songwriting it's something that i'm quite interested in doing as well if i hear a certain type of song like um you know in part of my brain sort of goes oh, i want to be able to write a song like that um you know so that i can almost like capture the the emotion that that song gave me and have something that's mine to then sort of be able to feel it again kind of thing mm. um but obviously that's you know that's that's me as a as a songwriter and sort of the songwriting side of my brain and that's why it listens to music but sort of the fan side of my brain if i'm in sort of fan mode is is more happy to sort of listen to anything and sort of and it's it's it gets more into as you said earlier kind of like mm. the um the uh the day-to-day -day sort of uh, machinations of the artists and sort of the things that they do every day and sort of the, like buying into the artist as a brand um, and sort of like what they're doing and sort of being interested in the artist itself as opposed to just the music and so I think there's that kind of side of things as well to the music um, you know to, to why we listen to music and also like how we discover it being yeah. a fan of the artist helps you then be a fan of the music mm. as well because you understand why the songs have been written the way they have yeah I, yeah, I get it, it just it just completely differs person to person in, in terms of how you like to approach music i think for me i want to listen to as much music as possible before i mm. can't listen to music anymore and um and the, the more i listen to the more i can contextualize other albums that i've listened to as well and maybe either draw in draw influences draw connections and things like that um yeah but at, at the same time I, I don't think that maybe that's not for everyone so maybe that's something that i need to learn as well is that um, not everyone is going to be receptive to new ideas and some people might be wanting to um 
yeah, try and see the artists that they they know and love. Um, um, experiment with new things with the new music that they come up with and discover new styles of music as well. Um, but uh, yeah, that's an interesting point that you've raised. <laughs> yeah, um, well, like as like as you said, like, I think it's really interesting that you have that attitude towards music because it's definitely something that um, I aspire to do um, to be able to listen to as much music as possible. Um, but I just think there are for me at least like there there is a time and a place for certain music and i have to be in a mood to to discover new music in order to uh to fully appreciate it i think um i mean there's there's pros and cons i feel like um as a result of trying to consume as much music as possible maybe you don't spend as much time with the existing stuff that you've already discovered so um maybe maybe my knowledge of the albums that i really like that we both like maybe yours goes a bit deeper because you've spent more time with it um Mm -hmm. Um, which is then again, which is something which is something I always think of um with, with uh, people like uh, Anthony Fantano or just music reviewers in general they have to listen to so much new music all the time um, and the way they approach it is on a I mean I think Fantano really does like do his homework and really look into the into the music that he's listening to and reviewing uh, but the way he discovers music is probably on a like like there's a there's he probably has to differentiate between the stuff he's listening to in his free time that in his downtime and like stuff for his job which is reviewing music and it's like new music coming in like constantly um and may and sometimes you might be disappointed with his review because um because you've spent triple the time that anthony fantano has spent with that music and his opinion of it is different you know um, mm. and yeah i guess that comes goes from like the person to person thing you know like with your mom and you um, yeah no and Anthony that's, Fantano that's I mean, yeah that's the parallel <laughs> that's <laughs> it's a really interesting um, point um sort yeah. of like people and, and again sort of people who listen to music professionally and, and uh it, it, it can get very um sort of philosophical very quickly kind of sort of like in terms of like how we hear and perceive music and stuff but mm. it is interesting to think that like you know um the music that can mean so much to you individually mm. um you know for whatever set of circumstances because you heard it at a particular time in your life when it just affected you you know and, and it just got you know wh- whatever situation you were in it amplified it made it better made it worse um you know um can have such a small effect on someone else as well yeah um that's something that i always find um and i try to be really sensitive to when other people recommend me music because if someone recommends me music normally it's because um you know it's it's because it means something to them as well and that there, there, there might be a whole story there that i don't necessarily know um but you know they 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 they're almost willing to share that side of the story with you um and they want you to kind of experience the same thing that they experienced when yeah. listening to the music for the first time mm. sometimes it's not the case uh there's also the other side of music recommendation i think where i don't know if you find this but there are certain bands and artists as a certain type of musician, be it a blues guitarist, be it a pop singer, be it um, a fan of neo soul. If you're a fan of a certain genre, you're kind of expected to know. Um, okay. And so by recommending it, it's it's not only a way of um, showing that your the songs mean something to you. It can also be a way of showing someone else that you have what you think is good taste in music. Yeah. So, uh, so, you're, so you're trying to go along the line as in like, you're almost compelled to discover that type of music because of the expectations of a certain of a certain style of music you know it's like if you want to call yourself a blues guitarist then you gotta have listened to you know bb king and um yeah and yeah Ray Vaughan and all, mm-hmm. whoever blues greats or and it, i guess it transfers to every other genre i'm not going to go into every genre yeah. but you know you know like if you are a trumpet player like mm-hmm. Like it kind of, like, kind of like mm. any self-respecting trumpet player will have heard of Louis mm. Armstrong, Miles Davis, yeah. um, John Coltrane, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm. Um, and I, I, I wonder, I don't know if it's true whether that bleeds into musical recommendation as well. Mm. If you wanna, because when you're recommending music to someone, um, you know, you're you're showing, you're not bearing your soul, but you're 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 providing a window into your own experience mm. as well. And so you wanna sort of portray a view of yeah. yourself that shows well careful. i've listened to really yeah. good music growing up all the time and you know that gives, that's set me instead to then recommend it to you because i you know it almost gives you a kind of not mm. i know what i'm talking about more but it it positions you in a particular way if you if you can show that you've listened to a certain kind of music i guess if mm. that makes sense yeah i mean yeah i feel i feel like i mean just to go on to maybe a final point 
Um, mm-hmm. Maybe we can expand on this point, but um, I think maybe sometimes it it is a bit daunting. Um, so just going to to just have to discover almost feel a pressure to discover music in that mm. um, uh, in the way that you've described in terms of the genres. But also, do you, do you find I feel like daunting? maybe maybe I mean I I don't find it daunting. It's like my I, I just don't want to. I think what's daunting to me is that I'm gonna maybe go deaf one day, which is in which case I can't discover new music. But um, I think maybe it's daunting in terms of the fact that um, there's so much music accessible now, and I think historically the way people discover music over time, um, over, at least in the commercial recorded music age, which is not that long. It's only uh, maybe you know like um, been when a did Spotify co- come out? Been, was it two thousand and yeah, but I mean, just in terms of recorded music, it's only been a couple of decades, you know, that of um of mass consumer recorded music, um, right? Yes, and being able to discover records. Um, mm. <laughs> I mean, records. Yeah, it's been yeah. about seventy years, yeah. 60, 70 years. Yeah. Um. So, I think yeah, obviously that nowadays you have release radar that just every Friday tells you all the new music, <laughs> um, mm. via an algorithm. Whereas, I guess in the past we, well, I'd be going to HMV to. Um, find a good two for ten or three for ten pound deal at mm. HMV, and that's how I discovered music back then. You know, I'd be just picking up a random CD like Kings of Leon. I remember we listened to that in the car um, mm. on that road trip the other day, and just oh, like God, just just, yeah, just seeing just seeing what the hell it sounded like. I, I hadn't even opened it, I think, and yeah. we listened to it, and we were like, yeah, and <laughs> um, had our opinions about it. But um, yeah, that's how people, I guess, used to or like they pick up an old vinyl record or. Uh, from a record store they no idea what it is but the guy at the counter recommended it and you were like okay throw it in <laughs> um i mean that, i was i wasn't from that era but but that's probably a way that people have um discovered music in the past you know that raises two really good points i think in terms mm. of the way that music has kind of changed in the way we discover it because i think mm. before um the access to the internet at least and the access mm. to even to something like hmv where you can fit such a wide variety of music um mm the discovery of music i think was a lot more it was a lot less open mm. um in terms of obviously the music you hear over the radio is limited but it also that's kind of the only music you can hear or you go out and buy records and so i think the discovery of music that way was a lot more personal in yeah. that as you said you can be recommended stuff by the person mm. who runs the record shop you can just find stuff in a record store and pick it out i discovered um who did I discover? Nina Simone. I, I discovered mm. that way. And, uh, and mm. Al Green. Uh, I was in a motorway service station driving up to Sheffield when I was about 13. Sorry, I wasn't. I was being driven up to Sheffield when I was 13. I wasn't driving up to Sheffield myself. Um, and there was two for £10. And it was a double CD of Nina Simone and a double CD of Al Green, The Greatest Hits. Mm. And so I'd love, I love completely... I love this. I've had this like, love them like Bill Evans, like 10 albums. Like, or yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, back in the so, day, that's the CDs. That's before Spotify as well. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But um, but like that's kind of, um, mm. you know, so, so the discovery of music, I think back then was, you could say it was not, not more personal, but sort of more individualized. Mm. But at the same time, there was a lot less choice in terms of the music available to you because less was being released. Whereas now it's kind of the opposite that the music is completely available to you you can find anything on spotify if you want to really mm. um you know there's more music that you can listen to in a lifetime now um but now as a result of it i think the music becomes it's a bit it's a bit less personalized because obviously release radar your weekly um sort of mix and things like that they're they're given to you by algorithms it's not something that you're necessarily picking out yourself personally and so yeah, you've got I to think... wonder where you've got to wonder whether there's not not whether there's sort of like an like a an agenda in that, but obviously it's driven by what people are listening to, and it's the, the the Spotify algorithm wants stuff that's doing well to be listened to more, and so it's more likely to recommend stuff that's doing well, less likely to recommend stuff that's not doing well, and so it's interesting how the way that we receive new music has been shaped as well by the algorithm, and not necessarily just like, yeah. like we we have more choice, but at the same time you have to work harder to have more choice. If you just want to sort of passively receive music from Spotify, you're going to receive what Spotify wants you to hear more than completely randomly selected stuff. You know, like I know, for example, I'm, I, I know there's loads of fantastic South African music that my brother's girlfriend's recommended to me, but that was never going to come up on my Spotify recommended list unless I start looking for it in the first place. Yeah, um, and I think I think because <clears throat> there's so much power in those in those streaming platforms now, I feel like that's one of the things I would probably recommend to this. Like, I mean, what is my opinion? But um, to the to the to these streaming new streaming platforms is really working on personalizing the experience um, 
for the listener um, and and tailoring it in a way that is more personal um, to the listener and also allows them to discover new music that is not the most popular. Um, But then I say it's a double-edged sword because I think a lot of people do want to consume music um, via a playlist. That's like 50 different artists or hundreds of different artists. And that's Mm. something that they just enjoy doing and you can't really control that that yeah um desire that um that consumer um like that consumption habit basically Mm. um i think i think the way that people receive music as a result of things like playlists has kind of changed as well because i think mm. now um just to take an example so so my fiance uh amy for example she uh really enjoys going to the gym and she has a gym playlist but it's a gym playlist not the one she's made herself she hasn't gone out and found um, you know, loads of songs that she likes that get her in the, you know, in the mood to go to the gym. It's just one that she can follow that someone else has made or that I think Spotify curates sort of gym playlists as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think a lot of music um, has become more, uh, I, I, I remember hearing this phrase in an article I read, it's sort of musical wallpaper for whatever mm-hmm. you're doing. So for example, if you're in a club, um, the music is there for you to dance to. Um, if it's in a gym it's there for you to exercise to if you're at a party it's there like it it serves more of a it's not as much of a sort of sit down and listen thing as it used to be if you buy a cd or you buy a record um you know you buy it in order to have it and to listen to like i still have cds in my car uh and because of the way it's played uh you know one after the other you have to listen to it in sequence obviously you can skip between them if you want to but there's it's more of a focus on it and if you think about uh you've got a record player yourself haven't you at home yeah i mean that's the ultimate personal listening experience so exactly um, and like but... we did we, we listened to pimp to pimp butterfly the other day right and it was mm. but when it's there like it's it you listen to it and you listen to mm. it one after the other because it's it, the focus is there was i think in terms of spotify and playlists and things like that the focus has moved away from the music because it's it's not you're not listening to one artist doing something for you you're listening to a, a group of artists performing a function um as opposed to one artist you're listening to because it's that artist. It's like, oh, this artist, along with 49 other artists, have great gym tracks. And mm. so I can have that as a player and it gets me to the gym as opposed to this one artist is fantastic. I'm going to listen to them. It's the only thing I'm going to do when I go to the gym. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, you, you, you got to respect those playlists as well. Um, it, it's just a different type of listening experience. Um, mm. you, I mean, loads of artists get discovered and like um, if you get hit with a certain playlist, that's like a, a sort of an underground artist as well. So it's it's and then people discover your music that way and then they maybe maybe one out of ten of them actually goes and looks at all your other music. So mm. um, yeah, I think I think yeah, it's it's just a changing landscape and I guess um, uh, the yeah. market just has to tailor itself to people's personal tastes and really keep track of those personal tastes. I mean, there's there's so much we can unpack here. I mean, mm. from from our from our um, we've put down a little list, but we haven't even gone into discovering music at a gig. Um, or or like discovering music on radio over the years and how and also um, discovering music from on an academic level but I think maybe yeah. we should end on this on this sort of personalization note and maybe go into um, just wrap it up with some of our our favorite music that we've discovered definitely um, recently. um, um all right so, do you want to uh, yeah, so go we, first then? yeah we've put together three categories um, so I'm just going to fire them off to you and see what you come up with okay um, so uh and then you can ask them back to me in a sec oh thank you very much yes <laughs> it's a it's a two it's a reciprocal thing so just to um, qu- just sorry just before you do start just to qualify um i don't think that um the playlistification of music is necessarily a bad thing i just think it's mm-hmm. an interesting it's interesting how it's changed the way we listen to music and also the way that we discover music as well yeah um, or at least some new people <clears throat> do listen to music so it's not like one yeah. dies and the other um dominates it it's like yeah here's, it's, here's it's, this it's new just, way of listening another, to music it's yeah. another avenue of many um, that already exists another channel of um of discovery exactly sorry just in case yeah. i get asked no loads of comments oh leo hates playlists on spotify yeah uh, i don't i think they're fantastic <laughs> ban uh, on spotify. yeah ban <laughs> um, for disliking playlists yeah uh cool so um i've got here um an album that's been recommended to you by a friend and um you don't have to name who it was, but um... uh, I'm happy to name who it was. Um, so it's more of well, an album and an <laughs> artist, I suppose. Uh, the friend was was you in this case because uh, oh. you recommended a lot of music to me. Uh, if you guys don't, we know, only know uh, each other. 
we, yeah, we if know you guys didn't know <laughs> <laughs> but we um we we lived together in the second year of our universe well, of my university your third year right um mm-hmm. so it's 2015 to 2016 and um mm-hmm. My third year I spent in Berlin, so I went I went abroad. And uh, just before I left, I asked Johnny to give me uh, a load of musical recommendations and he just like flooded my iPod <laughs> with new music. It must've been about, you know, 200 odd artists that I spent the next year sort of listening to. Um, but one of the favorites that I did discover sort of while scrolling through and discovering all these new artists that were on my iPod that weren't there beforehand was Mama's Gun, um, who are a British, uh, indie band based in Brighton, I believe. Is they in Brighton? Or they're from Brighton originally? Uh, they're from around all the place. Um, around all over the yeah, place. London sorry. and Brighton, I think. London mm. and Brighton. The south of the UK generally. Yeah. Um, and the album is Cheap Hotel. Sorry, I wanted to say the other one. Cheap Hotel is the album that you were going to me. It's absolutely fantastic. And um, mm. I've met, we've met Andy Platts, who is the lead singer of Mama's Gun. And we've mm. had... Uh, a couple of I've had some good conversations with him uh, if you guys haven't heard Mama's Gun definitely go and check them out they're an absolutely fantastic band highly recommend uh, Johnny is their number one fan um, and I think you, you <laughs> won a competition didn't you so you, you actually get uh, the amazing opportunity of playing I mean, on a yeah. Mama's Gun track we'll see um, what happens hush hush <laughs> hush hush yeah. Um, but yeah uh, Mama's Gun uh, is what a uh, friend which was you recommended to me cool uh, awesome okay check so to flip it, flip it back onto you then so uh what is the best album or artist that uh, a friend recommended onto you that you think is fantastic? Yeah, I mean, I've um, met some people recently that have just been flooding with, with great music. Um, uh, a small band that comes to mind is a band called Another Sky. I don't think I've talked about them to them with you. I think they're a London band. Um, no, you haven't. Yeah, they're just absolutely amazing. They're, I think their new album's coming out soon. I forgot the name of it. It's a bit of a long title, but um, they've put out two EPs. I've seen them three times in the past year um they've got a sort of yeah their their lead singer katrin is absolutely incredible just a crazy voice and the whole band is just so tight um it's kind of got i guess i mean i don't want to i don't want to boil them down to one artist but um it's yeah it's, it's sort of radiohead but with um just a, you know, a bunch of other i think they're really influenced by a band called talk talk um it's a bunch of um older um 80s 90s artists as well Mm. Um, but yeah it's super it's also got an indie because they there's almost they're like an indie rock band as well so it's making a it's, it's making a little comeback like the sort of mm. 80s vibe um, yeah I reckon, I reckon I've, so. I've noticed in some places and like mm. me personally I, I love 80s music and kind of that that the combination of there's like two things that make 80s music for me it's skated snare drums and yeah. <laughs> and synth and synth sounds um mm. And it's interesting that it kind of it's it's creeping its way back in some places. And every time I hear one, um, one of my favorite, I know it's a bit old now, but um, she's American by the 1975. Yeah. Um, as soon as I heard that, I was just like, oh, my God, this is just like it, it could have been something on a Tears for Fears record or something. And it just, I absolutely fell in love with their music as a result of it. Yeah, um, they're, a, they're a controversial <clears throat> band, but they've made some controversial. Memories. They've made some absolutely amazing songs. Yeah. Um, OK, what's what's uh, the next category then? Cool. So I've got, got um, an album that's been recommended to you. Um, by Spotify or by some sort of online algorithm or uh, or uh, an album on an artist, something that you've discovered online recently that you might not have in l- real life. Right, okay, yeah. Um, okay, so I think the one that I discovered, I think it was on my weekly playlist actually. Um, and so the week before I must have been listening to a lot of this. I think I was listening to a lot of Nickel Creek beforehand, um, uh, the band that Chris Teeley uh, got his start in. Uh, amazing mm. mandolin player definitely check out chris Teeley's stuff as well and nickel creek um but i think as a result of that i stumbled upon a band called the arcadian wild um there you and go. there are there are three piece um i think it's guitar i think no four piece it's guitar mandolin violin and double bass mm. um with amazing harmonies really, really um well crafted songs um and just an absolute joy to listen to if you're if, if you're into that kind of music or if you're on i, I like to listen to it that's sort of it's very nice driving music i always think mm-hmm. um so whenever I've, i'm driving over to you for example or driving to a gig or driving back from a function work or stuff like that it's nice to put it on and just sort of lose yourself in it um so yeah, yeah definitely check out the the arcadian wild if you get a chance they're really really um yeah. really, you need really to check band. out their other band called the punch brothers as well i think that's what they're called yes yeah, that's chris so. teeley's other band as well so yeah. uh, sorry chris teeley is not in the arcadian wild that they oh. it was recommended to me um because it's By. very similar it's nickel right. creek key oh. music i guess americanary sort of vibes Fair. um but yeah nice. i would highly recommend 
Um, okay, so what uh, band or artist did you discover on Spotify? Um, I've got an interesting or, or, answer. Or a streaming platform. Go on. I've, I've got an interesting answer because mine wasn't actually on a streaming platform, but it was actually recommended to me by a YouTube advert. <laughs> and um, oh, so that's not that's a, really uncommon. Actually, I, I very super, rarely super get music recommended to me on my on YouTube apps. That's really yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot to unpack there, but Ooh. for me, I'm just going to surface level it. But literally, Leander Havis's song "Is Your Love Big Enough." just the music video for it came up as an ad i think i don't know who no was way. doing it this was like years ago this was may 2014 or something but um I, I always press skip straight away on those ads as fast as possible as most people do but um that opening guitar riff came in and i was just hooked i just watched the whole ad and i i don't think i've ever done that ever since mm. and now leanne lahafis is just one of my favorite artists ever Her, she's released a new album this month you should definitely check it out it's called leanne lahafis and um but yeah that's how i discovered her and and that's so weird, man. Yeah, it's weird. I, I was I was hit by the algorithm. You know, Damn. Hit by the, the marketing execs for whatever label she's on. <laughs> um, That's amazing. Definitely go and check out Leanna Havis. She's got some amazing songs as well. Would highly recommend uh, personally as well. Cool. All and right, our, the last last question is mm-hmm. um, an album that um, your parents have recommended to you that you've become a big fan of. That my parents have recommended to me. Um they're not really recommended anything to me. I think just growing up, I didn't really have a choice. It's just sort of like, we're listening to this now. Okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, I grew up listening to, I think one of the big ones was Songs from the Big Chair by Tears of Fears. Actually, no, it's not Songs from the Big they, they, My parents, they, they're a big fan of, of the Greatest Hits album, um, mm, just okay. as a concept. Um, so mm. I had I listened to a lot of I listened to a Simon and Garfunkel Greatest Hits album, um, which I've just over the years I've just internalized. It's kind of burned into my brain now. I can't forget any of it. Um, and it's the same. They had a Tears of Fears Greatest Hits album as well. Um, and so I think it's definitely Simon and Garfunkel and Tears of Fears. Those two um, albums that my parents are just like just just through vicariously listening to it while in the car or sort of having it on in various places mm. um are sort of they're the two i know sorry i was supposed to pick one but they're like those two sort <laughs> of stand out from all the music mm. that i listened to growing up those two are sort of really big influences and they've influenced my you know sort of my musical not musical conversation but it's kind of like my my taste in music going forwards i think mm. as well there are big influences on it um yeah. okay i have one more extra question uh after just fired another kind of, another oh, kind okay. of music as well but i want to ask what your parents gave you first um so okay. what music has your parents recommended well, to you because i think your 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 parents listen to quite a much wider variety of music than mine did yeah well, not much more but they have the classical side which my parents have never really been into mm. yeah they're they're some of the most eclectic listeners i know um they listen i mean they even take upon some of my music recommendations as well god forbid this <laughs> crazy barrage of like listen to this listen to this listen to my music listen to other people's music <laughs> um but um yeah obviously they brought me up on loads of classical music and like just going to orchestral music as well um i think the, i think maybe maybe the eagles <laughs> i'm not Ooh. sure if that's a weird one but my 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 parents are really into the eagles and i think so, some of my parents friends also really into the eagles and i got into their music then um they they is... they brought me to some amazing concerts in hong kong as a kid um seeing people like elton john billy joel and one of them was um the eagles <laughs> and um and <laughs> and yeah this is uh, you know they were pop stalwarts i guess in, in the 1970s That's so interesting um the, I, um... I mean they, they actually also listened to Jimi hendrix before me um they had a Jimi hendrix they actually had the Jimi hendrix experience on the cd and that's one of the ways I got into the album because I just stole it from them and imported it into my laptop and and discovered it's got to be it's got to be so hard I, I don't know if you I don't mm. know if you found this like a lot of my friends who I've talked to about music they had like a a rebellion phase mm. where they kind of rebelled against what their parents liked um, interesting you know and and sort of mm. people of our of our generation who were born mm. so in a similar time I think something yeah. like pop punk was kind of a uh, was, was a way for mm. a lot of people to get into that like a lot yeah. of my friends had the pop punk phase yeah I mean, so to speak, and that's kind I'm of still in it yeah, yeah. where <laughs> came back <laughs> a lot of a lot of my friends it. still are as well they've never left um but like uh it was a way of kind of rebelling against what their parents were sort of listening to um and mm. i think it's there's there's kind of an element of sort of 
coolness when you have that song that your parents really hate mm. or they think is crap and you like, oh brilliant I like it then because my mm. parents don't um, yeah. whereas like I think for me it was kind of difficult because my, my parents they're, they're, they're quite eclectic music lovers so I'd be like oh look check out this mm. I hope they hate it and like, oh it's quite nice but like, oh, mm. damn I have to try and find something else and it must be for mm. your parents even harder right because they, they listen to so much music like it's really hard to have like a rebellious sort of like mm. I'm going to listen to stuff that my parents hate phase because if their parents if your parents like everything it's really difficult to kind of yeah um rebel against it you know yeah i mean that's probably another episode for another time really um, rebelling against yeah. your parents mm. the only thing that the two about the two um artists that my parents didn't like were uh and it wasn't all of them they did they weren't fans of nickelback um that's mm. <laughs> why probably one of the reasons why i like nickelback uh. so much um and they weren't a huge fan of neo or chris brown either um this is this was uh, just to quantify. This was two thousand and seven. Mm. Chris Brown before the whole the incident and the whole cancel culture thing got a hold of everything. Um, mm. But when I when I He's played that to them, <laughs> yes. But when I played that to them in the car, they weren't a fan of that. And so like part of me was mm. like, yes, I've managed it. And then I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> I sure my parents were ambivalent during my neo phases. <laughs> yeah, I think I think a lot of um, a lot of my musical taste is not not consciously rebelling against my parents. It's never sort of like a, like I didn't get on with them or anything. Mm. But it's kind of I think it's just a way of. Um, mm growing as an individual as you start finding things that you like and you you know mm. um it's a way of differentiating knowing something you like because it's you can pit it against something that someone else doesn't like and if you like it and then you can know that someone else doesn't like it it gives you a sense of like self yeah. i suppose and sort of taste in music mm. um did you have one more thing to ask me yeah the last question i was going to ask you was uh which song have you discovered just randomly in life um that you came across sort of offline not um recommended to you by anything that you just happened to hear somewhere and that and you you liked mm. it so much that you kind of you got into that uh artist sorry so album band or artist whichever randomly that you um, like completely randomly you discovered hmm. i guess maybe i've i went i went to a festival back in 2014 discovered a band called a uh, pond um they're sort of an offshoot of tame impala and um I okay think, um they're sort of tame impala without kevin parker and yeah they're pre- they're a pretty cool band i've been listening to them over the years I, um i think that's another way to discover music as well it's just randomly at a festival i think a lot of people do discover music that way um, mm. we didn't even go to festivals throughout this episode but um yeah they've they sort of stuck around maybe understand tame impala a bit more and um, yeah, it's cool to see bands also have offshoots, and maybe that's a way, another way to discover music as well. Is um, I was about to mention and that actually. And Wolfpack and Theo Katzman, Corey yeah. Wong, Phoebe yeah. Catis is an extension of Corey Wong, is and and so on and so forth. You know, yeah, same as if you're Phoebe Bridges and she's got loads of collaborators, or even just finding a session. Oh, we didn't even go into it. Finding a session musician. That's the, another way that I like to discover music. Yes, is uh, finding a yeah. session musician and just digging into their discogs.com credits and then finding yeah. new albums that you've never heard of. Before. At Pino Palladino, we're talking yeah. to you. Yeah, exactly, Pino Palladino. <laughs> and some other artists, or session musicians. Yeah, what about you? Um, oh, this is a weird one, man. So um, the guy that I discovered completely randomly was uh, Richard Thompson. Uh, okay. From uh, and if you guys don't know who Richard Thompson is, he's a he's a guitarist from the he's sort of a folk guitarist in the nineteen sixties and seventies. He was in a band called Fairport Convention, and Richard Thompson is a motif throughout my life, uh, and it's kind of freaky. So the first time I ever heard a Richard Thompson song, I was eleven years old, and it was on the it must have been on the radio, I think, uh, and I only heard a bit of it, and it was a song called "The King of Bohemia," which I discovered sort of you know about 10 years later but it was the the, the words stuck with me um the the, the the um the words for the verse and the chorus uh and i i discovered it was richard thompson and then when i came to uni when I, we went to i think i think you were there as well we went to one of the folk society jam nights and one um. of the guys started playing a song called Beeswing. And again, I heard that I didn't know it was by Richard Thompson. I, I <laughs> loved the lyrics so much that I started Googling them and it was Richard Thompson again. Oh. Um, and he turned up. Big and rich. also when I went to, I went to, there's a festival in Oxfordshire called Cropredy, which I would highly recommend as well if you guys get the chance to go to Cropredy. It's a folk festival. Um, so there's sort of, this, it's, it's very folky vibes. If you're not into folk music, you probably won't have the best time, but they do have hilarious bands on. There's a band called Hey Dixie, which is a covers, uh, a folk 
country American bluegrass covers band of ACDC and they do sort of country versions of the songs which are amazing um, so I'd highly recommend but um, the festival is run by Faircourt Convention um, which Richard Thompson was a part of and so every single time I seem to hear nice lyrics that are memorable it's always Richard Thompson um, he's he's haunting my brain um, so I love if that you're... when it's like someone that has just been on everything and you find out that oh my god he was on that too yeah 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 you know like it'll it'll be like there'll be there'll be one day where i'll i'll be drowning or something like that and the person who will save me will be the grandchild of richard thompson or something like that he's just like he's he's going to be there everywhere you know we'll break down and richard thompson will he'll come in with a spare tire and save us or something when we're stuck on the road like he's he's always there so if if you're around richard thompson thank you so much (laughs) or just be like it'll just be like a random person called richard thompson like it wouldn't be yeah just everywhere so if if you Mm. if you ever do listen to this podcast richard thompson thank you so much for the amazing songs you've written um they've stuck with me for years and years and years i'm 25 now and they've been with me since i was 11 so please keep writing amazing songs i love all of them Uh, i really hope a random person called richard thompson listens to this i I hope i hope he thinks it's him (laughs) and gets in contact but no the richard thompson from fairport convention um (laughs) But yeah. yeah, yeah, amazing. And anyway, I think we're we're over an hour now. I mean, let us know if you, done... like, if you like this longer format. And yep, um, absolutely. And uh, yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening again. Uh, if you guys have made it all the way to the end, uh, we really, really appreciate it. Are there any ways of listening to music that we've missed, or are there any that you think are really important? If that's the case, uh, let us know in the comment section on YouTube, uh, or all of the other uh, ways of letting us know as well. Comment, yeah. like, share it. Yeah, so much, so much to unpack here. We've got so to do a part two. Definitely, yeah, yeah. If you guys let us know if you want a part two as well, and, uh, and we'll keep uh, digging into this Pandora's box of, uh, of questions that we've opened. Thank you so much for tuning into Sonic Bites. If you enjoyed what you heard, drop us a like or follow us on Spotify, Anchor FM, or wherever you get your podcasts, or leave us a comment on YouTube at Leo Kelly G Music, Twitter at Sonic Bites Pod, or Instagram at Sonic Bites. More episodes coming very soon. Stay tuned.